What time is it? Game time! Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship! Davis! Oh my god! Davis is going to run it all the way back! Auburn's going to win the football game! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. And happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. I'm your host, Garrison Hardy, and with me as always, the co-host, Garrett Thigpen. Garrett, happy Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Um, it's uh, one of the best times of the year. Got the holidays rolling in, and then, mm. uh, you know, the college football's ramping up. We got the playoffs coming soon, rivalry week. I mean, it's, it's a great time all around. Uh, it's a great time all around, indeed. And hey, you got any plans with the family this week? Uh, yeah, we're gonna go. Uh, we always go down to South Carolina, visit family during the morning, and then come back and do stuff with family for dinner. So, uh, yeah, just uh, good old traditions. Should be fun. Should be fun. You? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. And yeah, I'll be down in uh, Lewiston, Idaho, with my dad and stepmom. On Thanksgiving, uh, my stepmom's not feeling great. Uh, she she's got the old Rona, um, but uh, you know. So as a result, it's going to be very low key, which is not really a bad thing. Just rest and relaxation and family uh, fellowship. You know, God is good, and uh, it'll be fun. So uh, that's that's pretty much it yeah, there. Good stuff, good stuff. And of course, football's got to be included in those plans. And, folks, we've got a lot to get to today. We've got our uh, same segments as normal. We've got the news segment, the gut reaction. We're going to react to week 12, which was la- – I can't believe we're already at week 13. So we'll react to week 12, um, go over the playoff rankings. New rankings just dropped, and there's actually some movement this time around. Week 13, rivalry week. We'll talk about that, go in-depth into some of the games there. We've got some big matchups. And then we'll finish off with rapid fire and actually a little bit of basketball. The Maui Invitational is underway. Some big matchups there. So a full show. Buckle up. Let's do it. And we start with, you know, that's really some tragic news for not just Florida State, Garrett, but really college football fans everywhere. As you never want to see this, Jordan Travis suffered a devastating injury in Florida State's 58-13 to win against North Alabama. Uh, I mean, you probably saw the video, just gruesome injury to his ankle, and um, obviously he's done for the season and, you know, potentially career-threatening kind of injury. We don't want to speculate, but it, it's, it was tough. And, um, you know, it, this you just never want to see this. One of the top players in the country, now he's not going to be available for – the rest of the season when it comes to an ACC game, the ACC championship, as well as their potential playoff run. And they got to go to the swamp too. So just, just a tough break all around for all of us football fans. Yeah, definitely um, tough. I mean, he's had a, a long career. I think he announced on uh, or after the, the surgery that this will basically be the end of his college playing career. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, just sad to see, especially with the season that they've been having. And, you know, like you said, they've got big games coming up, you know, they're really pushing for their last final playoff spot. This definitely hurts. Um, but I mean, they've still got a great team all around him. Um, you know, the great defense, great weapons. So, uh, I'm sure that if they can get through, you know, like you said, the Florida game coming up and then, 
Louisville in the ACC championship. I think they've still got a shot if they can prove that they're still a really solid team uh, with the backup end. So, yeah, just a sad injury, but um, I don't think it necessarily is, uh, it's, you know, season ending for the team. Uh, I mm-hmm. think they've still got a lot to play for still. So, yeah. Yeah. And just for those keeping stats at home uh, this year, he's had a fantastic and incredibly efficient year. I mean, he's got over 2,700 yards, um, 20 touchdowns, two picks. Um, so the, it's all, it's going to fall on the shoulders of his backup, uh, Tate Roadmaker, who actually, you know, he came in and played pretty darn solid. Yes, it was against North Alabama, but, um, Florida state fans are actually pretty high on him. Um, it, they, he's more of a prototypical quarterback. Uh, so he's not going to give you the same athleticism that Travis did, but, uh, he's, he's still able to deliver some good balls over the top. So, uh, we'll talk about Florida State here a little bit more in depth uh, as we go over the playoff rankings. But uh, before we move on from the news, uh, Garrett, this this was kind of shocking a little bit. Auburn lost to New Mexico State 31-10. to And by the way, they paid them $1.85 million to do it. Yeah, that's... Uh pretty comical especially given the history that uh hugh freeze has because um last year with liberty they lost to new mexico state um liberty was having like a really good season last year and then let me see if i can pull up their schedule real quick yeah they um they're having a, a really solid season and uh then uh rumors started swirling that hugh freeze was on his way out before the season ended that he was going to take the Auburn job. And uh, they basically kind of mailed it in and got destroyed against New Mexico state in the final game of the season, which was a huge upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just kind of, and then he really left immediately after, but everyone kind of knew he was leaving anyway. And that kind of contributed to getting blown out. Right. Uh, so it's just funny to see him go to Auburn and then get blown out by them again. Uh, at an SEC school is pretty funny. So, um, <laughs> and then it would just be even even sweeter considering uh, Liberty and New Mexico State are in the same conference, and they're probably they're going to play in the conference championship in a couple weeks. And if Liberty can crush them, um, yeah, it would just be it would just be amazing as a as a Liberty supporter. So right, right, yeah, no, that always that, nice to see a little bit of karma there. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. even though we understand coaches. I mean, I get it. Auburn SEC, you know, if you're a coach, it's hard to hard to reject that kind of an offer. But still, you know, it, right, it is a little right. ironic. It was more of the, the, yeah, it was just a little bit of the fact that he signed a massive extension like a month before he left mm. and was talking about how committed he was. Signed, He was going to be the highest paid uh, non-Power 5 coach, mm-hmm. uh, like 5 mil a year, I think, something, something really, yeah, really high. And then a month later, he he leaves before the season even ends. It was people were a little uh, upset about the way he left. So whoops. Yeah, no, don't definitely don't blame a coach headed to a bigger school. Um, you know, they got to do what's best for them. Yes, indeed. But uh, well, we'll talk about the matchup later. But now they've got the Crimson Tide coming to downs, coming to town rather. So maybe a little less. Um, uh, excitement surrounding that matchup as as it kickoff yeah. for that approaches so we'll talk on that a little bit later um now let's go ahead and go to a gut reaction here garrett um so ucla 
They take down USC in dominating fashion, 38-20. to And Garrett, this was just another case of USC just being out-physicaled. And anytime they run into a physical football team, it just seems like they fold like a wet paper napkin. Uh, Chip Kelly's ball club came out ready to play, and they, they looked pretty good too. I mean, so the question is, should UCLA fire Chip Kelly after that dominating win? I mean, they looked they looked solid. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have Dante Moore either playing. Um, yeah, they just they looked really solid in that game. We talked. I mean, we talked a little bit about Chip Kelly last week. Um, I think that I think they've done fine. I don't, you know, assuming that they can beat California in the final game of the year, they're going to finish eight and four. Uh, I don't think that's bad at all, mm-hmm. given where they're at. And you know, we talked about p- potentially the fact that uh, Chip Kelly is maybe they brought him in for his offensive prowess, and they just haven't seen that. And you know they're relying on their defense to carry them all this way. And they think, you know, our defensive coordinator is doing a great job with the defense, but Chip Kelly is not break, not doing his job. And we could get a lot more from someone else who can maybe take advantage of the weapons on offense and right. have more balanced attack. So maybe that's what they're thinking. So, um, you know, if, if that is the case, I don't really blame them. You know, the offense has been poor and their defense has been amazing. So, you know, if that's the direction they want to go, but I don't think, you know, UCLA is a dumpster fire by any means that's been, uh, you know, oh, we got to we got to get the coach out of here. Something's got to change. I think, you know, eight and four is a respectable season, given how tough the Pac-12 is. So, right. Um, yeah, we'll just have to see exactly what direction they want to take the team in if they do fire him. Yeah, I'll say this. If they do decide to move on from Chip Kelly, you know, and, and offense has really been the key, then they better go out and find somebody who's who's got a clear vision and a clear direction that he wants to take the team offensively. Defensively, they've been great. And heck, maybe they hand it over to the defensive coordinator with how well the defense has carried the Bruins all season. But to defend Chip Kelly a little bit, he's also been, you know, there's been times where, I mean, like this last game, he didn't have a quarterback. They've been banged up by injuries all season long, and they've had to do a lot of shuffling on offense. So maybe that's just held things back and, um, you know, uh, I, I personally would be fine with the Bruins keeping Chip Kelly. It's been a respectable year. And yes, the lights of the Big Ten are coming and they're gonna have to go out to some some big Big Ten matchups and maybe they may maybe they want to shift focus there as that, that approaches. But still, you know, uh, UCLA's had a solid season thus far, could finish eight and four heading into a solid bowl game as well. Um just some things for the Bruins to consider. So We'll see, folks. Perhaps Chip Kelly uh, can hang on. And I'm skipping. I'm skipping a story here, really quick, Garrett. Seeing yeah. as USC just kind <laughs> of, it has not been a good year. Uh, should Lincoln Riley? My question is: be concerned about his job security at the very least heading into next season? I mean, is is the seat going to be pretty warm in your eyes as he enters next year? Um. I haven't heard uh, that that's going to be the case. So I would have to lean towards no. I mean, he's got a good track record and, you know, obviously this season's huge, huge disappointment and they, you know, they fired Alex Grinch. I think that's, uh, that's going to be the scapegoat really. Mm. And, and, and he might've been the, 
a big part of the problem. Obviously, the defense was the biggest issue for them this season. The offense was fantastic. Right. And that's sort of his forte is uh, he's a great offensive mind. That's why they bring him in. So it's hard to really get mad at him when the offense is clicking the way it is to uh, say it's really his fault that the the defense is playing poorly. Maybe they're just going to say, you know, they're, they're, they're probably thinking we'll just bring in a better defensive coordinator, focus more on uh, defense in the transfer portal, and, you know, see if they can uh, improve on that. I mean, they're going to have the talent still offensively to compete, especially if they have Lincoln Riley back. Don't know about Caleb Williams. We're assuming he leaves, so they'll have to replace him, obviously, which is a big task. But uh, I think that, you know, they brought him in. They knew what they were getting, and he's kind of lived up to it offensively, and they're probably just going to try and focus, like I said, on maybe a better defensive coordinator and then adding defensive players in the portal. Yeah, and heck, maybe the maybe the USC should hire uh, DeAnton Lynn, who is the UCLA defensive coordinator. <laughs> but hey, that, uh, yeah, best of both worlds there. Yeah, uh, you stay in LA. Uh, former Baltimore Ravens safeties coach, and uh, he's done a fantastic job at UCLA. Just a thought, just a thought, Coach Riley. Um, I'm I'm with you. You know, Coach Riley's had a fantastic track record we've seen what his offense is capable of at oklahoma and now here in usc and it just would have been nice to have some things to fall back on but he he does have he does have a big project in front of him you know the offensive line has been weak all season you know this lincoln riley's offense is not a an air raid offense it is an offense that is more of a run and shoot so if they want to establish they really just need an overall culture change at USC. USC seems to be a team that if you punch them in the mouth a couple of times, they're they're done. It's over. So mm-hmm. if USC wants to change the culture around, he's got to b- focus on bringing some toughness into the program, and that kind of starts with the offensive line and defensive line. You know, we 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 will talk about Texas here in a little bit, but um, Texas with Steve Sarkeesian, he really focused on recruiting the front seven and the offensive line and you just see the difference with this texas program i mean it's their uh i think it's their first 10 win season if i'm not mistaken since the two the early 2000s or the like 2008 or nine something like that um so um that offensive line defensive line those need to be areas of focus for usc um right yeah I was just say we saw that last year with uh, you know the only two teams that were able to throw off their amazing season was Utah twice, right? And um, you know they used that with their tough defense. They played really physical and really threw them off, and that was the key to beating them. So I think teams probably saw that from last year and tried to replicate it against them again this year. Right, right. This next one, Garrett. I'll, I'll start out with this one because I know where you stand. I'll start out with this one. If Michigan okay. wins out. And wins an NCAA championship, that removes the asterisks of cheating because Connor Stallions was fired on November 3rd. Here's my gut reaction. But first, a few qualifications. Okay. I have been doing some thinking and festering on this whole Michigan situation. Like, uh, Garrison, are you being a little disingenuous with your take here? And it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong. And I am that big man. I'm quoting Michael Scott there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, love a good office reference. Of course, of course. Uh, like my brother Dawson, he's never even seen the movie. Um, so I think 
a couple things. First, I still think that the sign stealing is being blown a little bit out of proportion in that I listened to uh, Joel Klatt discuss this, and he talked about how this is back when he was playing, and he's been covering college sports for some time now, that they they change their signs almost every week. And that, that goes for – so for a program like Ohio State, I'm sure that's just business as usual, is they're changing signs up. They're, they're mixing up their audibles at the line of scrimmage and whatnot. Um, so I, there's, there's one point to this. But I will concede to you that in key situations, uh, I, I could see how that gives a pretty big advantage for Michigan if they know, oh, hey, here's a trick play that they like to run. Uh, in these certain situations or oh hey when they go to this seven man max protect here's what they run i could totally see how that gives them uh, a certain uh, the the advantage on that point so i will concede that um but i mean like if i'm getting a 80 percent on a test and i have certain answers and whatnot that bumps my grade up to you know closer to an 85 or a 90 yeah that's a pretty big advantage so i don't want to be disingenuous on my take there um that being so all that being said i i i guess i just don't think that michigan has been profiting it, it, like so much through their wins that it, you know the, that the Twitterverse being set on fire, for example, saying, uh, oh, my goodness, any any win that Michigan has is all because of the sign stealing. I don't know that it's that egregious, but I will concede that this could have resulted in some a big plays in favor of Michigan. And if they have broken the rules, which their investigation's happening and there's evidence piling up, then they should be punished for it. Um, to this point, I guess I would say that it doesn't necessarily remove the asterisks for me, uh, given that, well, that's not true. You know what? I'm, this is a gut reaction. I'm going to say yes, it does, simply because the Ooh. eyes of the world are upon them at this point in time, and they probably have been before this investigation was even announced. The, I'm sure the NCAA was already compiling statistics and evidence beforehand. Um, so... I'm going to go with my gut of saying, you know, if they do win out, I think that it would have been well earned, especially with all the um, the eyes of the, the NCAA keeping track of them, all the outside pressure, everybody mocking Michigan, calling them a bunch of dirty cheaters. Um, and the Michigan's ticked off. You can see just by the way they're playing and and how focused that the players are. So there you go, Garrett. There is my gut reaction for that one hmm. yeah i mean i i definitely am in the camp that it's a somewhat big deal um i mean i think it's like you said i don't think that obviously if they weren't cheating that they would be losing to uh, you know minnesota and illinois um right and they would be a mediocre team i still think that they're an incredible team and they would be regardless um the only question to me is in the close games, whether it's against Ohio State, um, maybe Penn State. Obviously, it's kind of hard to tell if they're still gaining an advantage off of 
what they have scouted before because you know before they got caught or before they fired stallions he might have been scouting ohio state all season or something like that it's hard Mm -hmm. kind of hard to judge what the impact of that would be right and it's hard to impact you know if they beat ohio state by a last second field goal and they win by one point is it like oh is it how many points is that cheating worth was it worth uh them uh scoring a touchdown on this fourth down conversion that um you know that they did or didn't see coming like i it's kind of hard to judge mm-hmm. um exactly how much that cheating's worth so yeah it's 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 hard i don't know how severe severe it is especially without knowing the exact details of everything it, it's just hard for me to justify not putting uh to just letting them winning out exonerate everything in my opinion um mm-hmm. i personally would still put an asterisk next to it because i feel like we can't say oh it didn't matter but i mean i think it would be impressive regardless um if they can win out from here because i would assume they're going to be having to beat ohio state this weekend and they're going to have to beat likely georgia uh right. two other and you know two quality teams in the playoffs and if they can uh if they can win those um even if they're still getting some advantage from that uh the previous scouting if they did any on them which i think they probably did but again hard to say right yeah that would be really impressive and i think that they would be considered one of the best teams but you know i again i would still think that those games against someone like georgia or um oregon or something like that those would be very competitive games in my mind and Mm -hmm. and such tight such tight margins it would be hard for me to just disregard the the cheating allegations and say it didn't matter at all i can i can i can believe that they you know won this really tight game against another quality team fair and square just because you know oh they fired that guy three weeks ago like it's it's a little hard for me to say there and Mm -hmm. again until everything is fully uh investigated it's hard to put a number on it or put an exact measure on how much it impacted the game so but for me it's just hard knowing that they did all this to just you know ignore it or say oh it wouldn't matter so for right. me i would have to leave the asterisk on there and be i'd be a little upset if they were able to just go on and win and act like nothing happened we'll pay some fines take some scholarships away whatever we're the champions mm-hmm. uh, i would be able to sit okay with that but We'll we'll see how it plays out. Indeed, we will. I wish I kind of had access to what the NCAA was looking at here, but of course, you know they got to wrap things up on their end. But uh, I guess that another thing I struggle with is when I look at some of the evidence that's put forth by the Twitter experts or or whoever else. You know that they'll they'll show a play and Michigan reacts to it, and they're like, "See, they knew the pass play was coming here." And I'm like, well, yeah, it was third and seven, and the running back was standing in front of the quarterback. Of course. I mean, anybody can see that with their eye. So I guess I just need to see some compiled evidence that really right. makes it clear that, oh, geez, yeah, even I, as somebody who hates the NCAA's rulings in the past, can't ignore that. That's that's not good. They need to be punished accordingly. So like you, yeah. just echoing what you said, yeah, we're – the NCAA has got all the cards right now, and 2024 is likely when we'll hear a ruling on that. So um, it's yeah. just the waiting game at this point. But it's going to be interesting to see how Michigan handles all. Of, I mean, part of me does feel for the kids in that locker room. That is a lot of pressure 
and animosity heading oh, yeah. t- towards that team. Let's... Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I mean it's definitely tough for him. And uh but I think they'll be I think they'll be they'll be fine. I mean they had a got the big win out of Penn State. Um it's at home. Penn State out of the way. And um yeah, I think they'll uh I think they'll be all right. Well, moving on here. You know what really grinds my gears, Garrett? It's that tennis what grinds your gears. Well, I'm going to tell you. Tennessee is still ranked. They lost by 28 points to Georgia. They lost the week before badly to Mizzou, and they've only dropped by 3 points this week. And meanwhile, Oregon State loses to a top 5 team in Washington by 2 points and drops 5 spots. That just really grinds my gears. That looks like SEC bias to me. Yeah. Um, Admit it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It probably probably is a little bit of SEC bias. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to fault them for losing to Georgia. Right. But to get blown out by Missouri the week before, too, the way that they did. Yeah. yeah, they, and they don't really have any quality wins on mm-hmm. their schedule. I think the best win they have is probably uh, Texas A&M, right. Kentucky. Like, it's it's definitely not been impressive. And, yeah, I think Oregon State – I mean, Oregon State's still ranked, you know, six spots ahead of them. So right. I think that's I, – I think they're in fair spots in the rankings. I would maybe drop Tennessee – like – you know, if if Tennessee and Clemson played on a neutral field, I'd favor Clemson in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think they're both around where I would rank them. Um, I don't know. I'd have to see some of the uh, the teams falling out. I mean, you got teams that just dropped from the rankings, like UNC, Utah, Kansas. Uh, I don't know. Would you Would you say Tennessee? Would you rank Tennessee ahead of? those three teams or would you rank those them ahead of Tennessee? I got to be honest. I would put Utah ahead of Tennessee. I might even put NC state above Tennessee, but I would probably just stick with Utah just based on, based on resume and what they've done without their starting quarterback. Um, I mean, Utah's schedule has been really tough in their own right. And they've still, you know, let me pull up their, their schedule here. I mean, they still carved out some impressive wins earlier on. Uh, I mean, they beat USC, which, yeah, USC doesn't look as great anymore. They went to the wire with Washington. They beat Florida to start the year. Uh, Tough win at Baylor. They beat UCLA. Um, You know, Utah has fallen off a bit, obviously, because of the injuries and some of their bigger wins, supposedly, don't look as good right now. But still, I think those are some – I think – USC personally would slaughter Tennessee from what I've seen. Oh yeah. And no, I, I agree. And Utah got them. So to me, I would tip my cap to Utah on this. And, um, but to me, this is the committee seeing Tennessee hang out. But be, oh, well, because Tennessee is in the, uh, I'm going to make an analogy here. This is like, this is no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> this is this is uh, ten, basically well because you the, you know they have, they played a good half against Alabama and they 
you know, they play against Georgia and they're in the SEC, you know, I guess we have to keep them in there. That's just the vibe that I get from this ranking. And as a Pac-12 guy who's just, don't get me wrong, the SEC's earned a lot of their allure, but uh, this this one this one grinds my gears. So there you go. I would put Utah ahead of Tennessee personally. Yeah, I I think you can make an argument that some of these teams below them deserve to be ahead of them. I mean, four losses, uh, I'd put, yeah, I'd, I'd probably drop Tennessee back a, a, a ways back. You know, Clemson's a four-loss team, but I'd put them ahead of Tennessee. Right. Utah, you mentioned. Um, honestly, even UNC, I might put ahead of Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think you, Tennessee could be could be definitely be dropped a little bit lower. Well, there you go, folks. Rant over. And how about this, Gary? This is just in a 12-team playoff next year. Somebody was talking about, yeah, where are we going to host the neutral sites games? And I don't think they're in the quarterfinals at the very least. I don't think there should be neutral sites. I think the the higher seed should get the home field advantage in that opening round. I just think that would be a really cool thing for a college to be hosting a playoff game on their campus. So what do you think about that? Uh, I, I like that idea. I think that's a lot of neutral sites you have to pick. Mm-hmm. And, and then and the, it would just it would be a lot easier to just do home field advantage for the first round. And yeah, like you said, it'd be a great environment. It'd be great for the schools hosting. Um, I don't I don't mind that at all. And um, it would put a little more emphasis for sure on some of those teams that, uh, you know, they're like uh, like a one loss, like an Alabama. Like you can go right. into the season, and you know you don't even have to worry if you lose one or two games. You know the everyone's gonna still believe you're a top twelve team, and you're probably gonna get in. So it kind of incentivizes teams like that to still fight for positioning to right. try and secure a home field throughout first round. So um, yeah, I don't I don't mind that at all. Yeah, well, to your point, just imagine. I mean, we have another. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State, the game next year, and they're both coming in highly ranked, and the game kind of hinges on, uh-oh, if we lose this, we could have to go to Michigan again or something like that, or uh, toward to the horseshoe again. You know, just just some thoughts there at some interesting, um, interesting matchups come the 12-team playoff that I'm very much looking forward to, especially this year. There's just so many great teams that, and we're, we're probably going to see somebody get left out. So um, that's just my gut reaction there. Now, we got week 12 here, folks, and there were some great games. Um, just some quick reactions here. Uh, Garrett, I got to tell you, I wasn't expecting this, but WSU stomped Colorado 56-14, to and... It got so bad in the first half that if WSU had kept the pace, they could have won 84 to 14. That's how bad things got. But of course, WSU kind of pulled off the brakes a little bit there. They had some backups in, and uh, it, it was just a nice palate cleanser after losing six straight for the Cougs. So that must have just been a, a fun night uh, up at WSU. Yeah. I mean, both teams coming in on big loss streaks and, uh, yeah, d- just a disappointment for Colorado, considering I think that was the game that knocked them out of bowl contention. Right. Uh, they can't make it now. They're going to be five and seven, even if they do win at Utah, which I doubt they do. They're going to finish four and eight. And it's funny because at the beginning of the season, I remember talking about Colorado and saying that 
four wins or making a bowl game would be a nice, uh, Mm -hmm. a a good goal for them. And then after they went three and O and everyone was behind them, we, I remember we talked, talked about how it was funny that we were talking about a bowl game being a big goal for them. Cause it's like, Oh, look at them now. Like they were way past that. Right. (laughs) And now they're not even going to make a bowl. (laughs) So yeah, they went, they went three and O and then after that, they're, uh, they're one and seven. So yeah, disappointing end to the season for Colorado. They definitely lost a lot of their shine and yeah, uh, we'll see if they can, you know, have another huge, uh, transfer hall. I'm sure they will. I'm sure that, you know, even with the disappointing end of the season, that it's been a big boost for the recruiting. We've seen some big commit, big commitments there Yeah, for the next couple of years. So yeah, we'll see how uh, Dion fares. Got to give him some time. Uh, I think you know, beginning of the season, this is kind of what people expected. Mm-hmm. They were just fooled a little bit by the the non-conference yeah. start that they got. So, yeah, um, yeah, we're excited to see what they do in the future. Yeah, and to your point about Dion, you know, he, in a sense, I'm I'm not blaming him. Yeah, if if he if I was in his shoes, I could see wanting to capitalize on that attention and whatnot. But he did, in a way, yeah. bring this on himself a little bit with you know the marketing for his sunglasses and college game day. He's right. showing up on the stage and talking about yeah, Colorado. All the players are coming to Colorado, and uh, it, it was just the hype train, and he was leading it, you know, as as the ringleader. So, um, and again, I don't blame him. Like he's a marketer, he's a he's a businessman, and he's got Colorado set up much better than you know, maybe a lot of people anticipated in the years to come. But the, as a result of that attention and whatnot, they got every team's best shot every week when they probably oh, yeah. weren't ready for to, to handle that kind of attention. And you know that these teams they, they know if they lose to Colorado, then they're just going to be on the hype train, like oh look Colorado dunked on them, oh my goodness, and yeah. so the players just want to avoid that, and as a result, they come out guns a blazing against the Buffaloes, and you know Buffaloes just really need to revamp their offensive and defensive line, so which I'm sure Dion's already in the process of working on, so right. um, yeah, a tough season for the Buffs. Go Cougs, still bowl eligible. I'll just say that. We'll talk about them in a little bit here. But anything else, Garrett, from that game? I think that's it. I think that's it. We're good to move on. Let's move through quickly through this one. Ohio State stomps Minnesota 37-3. We kind of – I will say this. You know, Minnesota played hard, and their defense is really the lone bright spot. So in that sense, it was impressive to see Ohio State kind of just move the ball so crisply against Minnesota and Marvin Harrison didn't even have that big of a day which by the way probably knocks him out of the Heisman contention just uh, there's a gut reaction uh, for you I thought he was oh, I, I thought that was a little ridiculous he was getting thrown into the Heisman conversation to begin with yeah yeah personally yeah. so I'm I'm fine if he's not in the uh in the conversation but uh they got Mecca Abuka going and he's had a pretty poor season and if I think that if they do want to compete, he's going to have to play a big role. Mm-hmm. His teams know about Marvin Harrison Jr., and it's it's nice to have him. But um, their offense can just be a lot um, more explosive when they need to, especially going against you know Michigan this week. They're going to need all the help they can get in the passing game, and um, so I think it's I think it's nice to uh, to get him a decent game uh, going into it, and it's good to get Trevion Anderson going. They missed him. Right, he was out for a while, and their run game really hurt from it. 
he's been by far the best ball carrier for them. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that uh, that he's playing well if they want to if they want to beat Michigan. There you go. Number sixteen, Iowa beat <laughs> the score just cracks me up. They beat Illinois fifteen to thirteen, and as a result, they secured a Big Ten championship berth. They're nine and two on the season. That's got to be the quietest and worst nine and two team I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, I don't know. I, I, I never. They, they've always played this brand of football, um, and I don't love watching it, but it gets the job done. So it seems like right. they're always pretty consistently solid. So, um, I mean, they'll give a tough. Their defense will be a tough test, I guess, for whoever they face in the championship. Right. Uh, maybe they can pull off uh, an upset, but. Um, I mean, either way, solid, solid season for them. I, I think people had lower expectations earlier in the year for them. And so mm-hmm. this is, I'm sure they're thrilled with this. Um, you know, even if they lose in the championship, this, this is a huge, um, uh, you know, exceeding expectation season for them and their fans. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here are the last, uh, several weeks for Iowa, 15 to six against Wisconsin, 12 to 10 against Minnesota. They lost that one. 10 to 7 against Northwestern. 22, they broke 20 against Rutgers, 22 nothing, and then 15 to 13 against Illinois. So, some of the ugliest football I've ever seen. Good job Iowa. Uh you're going to the Big 10 Championship and they play Nebraska this Friday. So, they hope to end yeah. if they could get 10 wins. I mean, hey, maybe the coach saved his job, but also as a university, maybe they're just like, I'm sick of this ugly football. Let's go get somebody exciting. And but even at the cost of w- winning a couple games next year, maybe that's just what they want to do because this is just a weird nine and two season. So, um, yeah, uh, he he has a clause in his contract for how many points they need to score per game for him to keep his for him to get an extension. I don't mm. know if we've mentioned that on the podcast. Oh, I didn't. I I honestly didn't even know that. It's, so there uh, we go. Yeah, it's it's in his contract that they need to score twenty five points per game. Oh, and. I've I've been following a Twitter account that was tracking that, and they were on pace for a while. They had a big forty-one points against Western Michigan, and then uh, since then it's been pretty ugly. They've been winning, but they've right. not been scoring twenty-five points a game. So uh, I'm curious to see if he gets extended, even though he's not even going to come close to that. Right. But uh, yeah, I haven't heard. So we'll see. Maybe maybe a you know a ten-win season keeps his job. Who knows? Right. I, that. That that's just such a a weird place to be where you get ten wins potentially and people are still thinking ah let's fire him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To be fair, it's Iowa. I mean, who who who's going to go out and build this amazing program in Iowa? Especially when you got teams like Washington, USC, UCLA, Oregon all coming to the Big Ten next year. I'm just saying, maybe just be yeah. a little more grateful, Iowa. Right. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I was kind of shocked by this one, Garrett. App State upsets James Madison. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a close game. So don't get me wrong there. But maybe the fanfare just got a little bit in James Madison's head as they had 26,000 people there for that college game day. And now they lose 26 to 23 in overtime against App State. App State, once again, plays spoiler. Yeah, definitely a disappointing. I mean, 
it, maybe it was a little bit too with the fact that they had just gotten the news that they weren't going to be able to to play in a bowl game regardless because mm. uh, I mean they were in a position that if they were eligible they were fighting Tulane and Liberty for a, a New Year's Six Bowl right in the highest rated G5 school so you know getting the news that they wouldn't be able to regardless it maybe that was a bit of a damper um, but I guess now it uh doesn't really matter i saw they announced today that they weren't going to appeal for that either they were just going to accept it so mm. yeah. yeah definitely definitely a bummer with all the hype but yeah like you said maybe it just got to be a little too much maybe a bit of a distraction so. right right well there you go number nine mizzou takes down florida 33 to 31 thanks to the thicker kicker and i was kind of surprised by uh florida's ability to actually stay in this game so shout out to the gators there and Gosh, Florida, just a lot of missed opportunities down the home stretch of the game that ended up costing them this potentially job-saving win for their coach, who now has to beat the Seminoles at home. Um, we'll talk, we can talk about that in a little bit more detail. But, um, yeah, Mizzou survives. So, um, hey, they'll take it. Good job, Thicker Kicker. Yeah, no, I, I, like you said, I'm surprised the game was as close as it was. But, yeah, Mizzou gets out with a win. I think they're... I think they're a fantastic team. Brady Cook's a great quarterback. Luther Burden had 158 yards. He's a monster. And um, yeah, good uh, good win. Number 17, Arizona demolishes Utah 42-18. to Another solid win for the Wildcats who are just, they're on a tear ever since they made that change at quarterback. Yeah, big, uh, we talked about this. I can't remember who we did we pick this game last week? And I honestly can't remember. I, th- I, I think you picked Arizona. Think, you you had been won over. I Arizona. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're hot right now. I definitely did not expect them putting up 42 points on Utah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, interesting game for Utah. I mean, they, Bryson Barnes threw it 53 times. But, yeah, no, Noah Fafita's playing amazing. Um, and, yeah, big, uh, big, big stretch for Arizona. I mean, is that five in a row now? Chance to make it six to end the season at Arizona yeah. State, and maybe go to a bowl game and get a ten-win season under their belt. That'd be really impressive. So, right, yeah, good, uh, great stuff from Arizona. Fantastic stuff, and they could finish nine and three. We were talking about that earlier, but um, yeah, Wildcats are smoking right now. Let's go a little bit more in-depth with these ones, Garrett. We covered them last week. Um, we kind of saw this one coming. We didn't trust Tennessee, and it, it it happened exactly how we thought it would play out. Georgia just stomps them, 38-10, to 10, and the Bulldogs are really starting to round into form nicely. Carson Beck, the really one of the question marks that you and I talked about coming into this season for Georgia, He, I mean, he's looking like a star under center these past couple of weeks so big win for georgia 38 to 10 in neyland stadium yeah this was pretty someone expected carson beck another amazing game 24 of 30 mm. uh for almost 300 yards three touchdowns and yeah he's been amazing their their past game is just so deadly they've got brock bowers and then um honestly they've got so many weapons even outside of him right that their their offense is just so difficult to stop. Their run game's gonna be solid as always with a great offensive line. And with the defense they have, um, they're just such a well rounded team that they 
they struggled a little bit earlier in the year finding their groove, but now they're just they're hitting on all cylinders on both sides of the ball, so they're going to be so tough to stop. Right. And you know, I'm definitely I'm very excited to see the you know SEC championship game with Georgia oh, yeah. and Alabama. Uh, that's going to be a fantastic game with just two really solid teams who are playing their best down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, for Tennessee, yeah, we I mean, we already talked about them two really blowout losses the last two weeks and uh, maybe a little bit overrated, but right. Uh, I mean, not much that we expect them to do this game anyway. Just ran into a buzzsaw. Yeah, exactly. And looking at the stats, it, it was bad. I mean, third down efficiency, Georgia was 9 of 13. So Tennessee just could not get them off the field. You and I have already talked mm-hmm. a, a lot this season, or at least the past couple of weeks, that Tennessee's passing defense is abysmal. Georgia got 316 pass yards through the air. Normally, they're more of a run-heavy team, but they didn't even need to do that with the way Carson Beck's playing. Um, Tennessee through the air, only threw for 147 yards, which is a, a testament to Georgia's secondary, just elite as usual. They held Tennessee to 130 yards on the ground, so a decent day for Tennessee on the ground, but just couldn't couldn't build on that. Tennessee was also 2 of 11 on third down. Um, and the time of possession is brutal. Georgia had the ball for over 40 minutes to Tennessee's 19. (laughs) (laughs) That just shows it. That's ugly. That's really bad. Yeah. Hey, you, you sort of need the ball to beat Georgia from my understanding. So there you go, folks. Tennessee should not be in the top 25. I'll just say that. Um, Hey, Michigan, they survived a tough one. That was against Maryland at Maryland, 31 to 24. Um, they were on the ropes in this one, Garrett, and the, the passing game didn't look great. But once again, the defense kind of carried the day for Michigan, and they were able to make the big plays when needed. Um, but maybe a cause for concern when it comes to the pass game looking this bad heading into Ohio State? Yeah, uh, I talked about it going into the Penn State game for Michigan, that their pass game had not been tested. You know, people have been hyping up McCarthy for how efficient he's been, but he hasn't had to do much. And Mm -hmm. it's luckily against Penn State, the run game was just dominating that he didn't have to throw a pass in the second half. So again, he was even against a team like Penn State, he was not tested. Somehow Maryland, who does not have a, they're not known for their defense. They were able to slow down the, Michigan run game and you know McCarthy was just he 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 was not as uh, efficient as he had been in the past and uh you know throwing a pick pretty bad turnover um yeah this 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 definitely could have uh easily been a loss if their defense didn't step up late and um mm-hmm. you know shut down Maryland in the fourth quarter they got a safety late to seal the game um yeah, uh, four sacks. The defense stepped up, luckily. But right, yeah, this right. definitely this one is a it's a it's one that could have been really dangerous for them with how this explosive uh, Maryland's offense is. Mm-hmm. You know, put up 247 yards through the air, but uh, also through two picks. So some key turnovers, and like I said, getting stops down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they were able to hold them off. So, right. Um, but I think it, it definitely again last couple weeks it's shown that that michigan does not trust mccarthy to go out and win him a game and you know the run game wasn't working they still ran it 45 times they were they were determined to just 
you know, keep the ball on the ground, play it safe. Right. And I just think when they run into some of these better teams, maybe even against Ohio State this weekend, mm-hmm. McCarthy's going to have to put the ball in the air and make plays against good defenses. And I don't know if I trust him to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Now, this this game, in a sense, was both a trap game as well as one of those look ahead games. Maryland, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about them numerous times this season that, yes, they've had a disappointing record overall. I mean, that they went one and four after that five and oh start. But still, a very talented ball club, all things considered, I think. And so, in that sense, it's a trap game. Uh, but also, you're looking ahead at Ohio State, the game. The potential of coming in 11-0 and 11-0 was not lost on Michigan. Plus, all the controversy that is stooped around this program is got to be tough for a bunch of 19- to 21-year-old kids to deal with. Um, And so, in that sense, I applaud them. But... Yeah, not a good look. I mean, it just looked ugly. And if it was not for Michigan's defense and their special teams play, shout out to the punter who, uh, towards the end of the game, pinned Maryland deep in their own territory. I think it was the one yard line. Like that was, and it was I one think of those. So yeah, that that's what led to the uh, the safety. Yeah, it, one of those coffin corner punts where the ball it looked like it was going to just go straight into the end zone, but it bounced backwards right into the hands of a Michigan player. And that takes a lot of skill you know, as somebody who punted in high school. Yes, it was high school. Who cares? But um, <laughs> still, it takes a lot of skill and time and discipline to pa- practice that craft. And it, it the biggest moment, too. So shout out to that punter there um, for really potentially uh, saving Michigan. I, I, you could still argue their defense would have been fine regardless, and they still made plays. But um, yeah, a, a shaky game for Michigan still. Despite this, I think it came at the best time possible. I think Michigan needed to get punched in the face a little bit or maybe a wake-up call heading into this Ohio State game to think, oh, my gosh, we, uh, we got we to gotta work on some things here and clean some things up. So, you know, maybe, maybe that benefits Michigan a little bit. Um, but, yeah, uh, Maryland, they played them tough, and uh, credit to the coaching staff there. Um, but at the end of the day, the win's what matters, and Michigan marches on, and that's what the committee cares about is what have you done on the field and have you executed and won. So they did that. Um, and we'll talk about Michigan, obviously, a little bit later. Um, how about this one, Garrett? Number five, Washington outlasts Oregon State 22-20, to and they didn't score a single point in the second half, and they still won. And I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one. Um, as I'm sure you've noticed, Washington has not really been able to put an entire team performance together in the last several weeks, really. Looking at their uh, past couple of games, you know, they it's it all started with Arizona State. After that emotional win against Oregon, they put up they fifteen to seven against Arizona State. And I thought, what the heck was that? Um and then it's kind of a reverse. They play Stanford. And they have to put up 42 to beat Stanford, and they give up 33 points. So suddenly the defense doesn't look as solid. And then they have to put, go to a shootout against USC, which we kind of predicted. Uh, Washington won 52 to 42. And then they have to play against tough Utah, 35 to 28. They still gave up 28 points to a Utah offense that's been suspect at times. So the question mark was can Washington's defense stand up to Oregon State? You know, had the weather not been a factor, you know, it, you could have argued, you could argue it was going to be more of a shootout. But uh, man, 
shout out to Washington's defense for really picking up the slack and holding a, a pretty talented run game from Oregon State um, in check for mo- for the most part. Yes, they ran for 148 yards, but uh, it wasn't as though they could just run whenever they wanted. They only had 4.3 yards per play on the day. So uh, really impressive job by the Washington defense. And then uh, specifically, um, they had a in, an injury to their middle linebacker. So Carson Bruner had to step in. Uh, and he had a great day, six tackles, eight assist tackles. He was running all over the field, and he also forced a fumble um, that gave the Huskies the ball in Oregon State territory. And then it should be noted, the weather played it kind of a big factor because the punter for Oregon State, it went right over his head, long snapper. You feel for the long snappers because the only time you ever talk about them is when something bad happens, Minus all the the perfect snaps that they have over the years. Um, And this one just unfortunately sailed right over the punter's head. And that ended up being the difference. The two points right there. So big win for the Huskies. And it's just survive in advance at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good win, obviously. I I picked Oregon State to win this one. Um, I'm right, folks. You heard it. It was. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a, it's another impressive win from from Washington, and you know, there's always a flip side to talking about the fact that they're playing all these games close. They're not blowing anybody out like right. Oregon's been doing since that game, and that's why a lot of people have said that Oregon they think is even better than Washington. But you could mm-hmm. also just mm-hmm. flip it to what you know, all these close games, Washington's finding a way to win. So, um, you know, when they're playing teams like Oregon and they get into those situations, they uh. They're experienced and they know how to come out with a win. So, right. Um, yeah, I, I don't look too much into the fact that this was such a tough game for them. You mentioned how it was it was really poor weather, which hurt the offense in general. Right. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think you look at the stats and Oregon, they had 37 minutes time of possession. They they dominated the ball and it almost worked against them in that second half mm-hmm. uh, because you mentioned Washington wasn't, wasn't even able to score in the second half, but Oregon and Oregon state, it's not, they, they moved the ball, right? But they just, they held onto it so much every time they did that they couldn't get many possessions. They started off the second half. Uh, they ran three plays and threw a pick and then Washington missed a field goal right after mm-hmm. so that was kind of a wash. They didn't really get hurt off that. But then after that, they went 10 minutes and one drive to score a touchdown forced Washington to a three and out, then ran another, wait, no, 16 plays for a touchdown, 10 minutes, forced Washington to a three and out. And right after that, ran the ball for another 10 plays, four and a half minutes, almost five minutes, got a field goal. Right. So they they were moving the ball, but then by that point, the game's almost over. They've almost run out of time. They get another uh, punt out of Washington, and then they run 11 plays, 42 yards, get stopped on downs, and don't get the ball back. Right. So... I mean, they threw a pick three plays into the half, and then they only got three possessions after that the rest of the half. And it's not like they were able to move the ball, but they just they ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so and their their defense, I mean, Washington only ran. Let me see. Seven, 13. They're in 19 plays that entire second half. Um, right. I mean, I think Washington got a little bit uh, fortunate in that one but um yeah i mean either way they came out with a win that was going to be a tough game we knew it was going to be really tough for the uh, a road test uh in corvallis is always difficult oregon state's a really solid team so 
Um, I mean, either way, just a, you know, they're happy to come out with the, with a win. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the thing that really jumped out to me, too, speaking statistically here, is Oregon State is second in the country when it comes to red zone offensive efficiency. And, I mean, a 97% conversion rate. That's pretty mind-boggling. Uh, and sure. Washington was very much bend, don't break. And they kept the Beavers, you know, out of the end zone, even though they allowed Oregon State to move the ball, like you were saying, had had close to 40 minutes of time of possession. So just a just a big, I think, confidence booster for the Washington defense that had been much maligned, you know, coming into this game. Um, and, and maybe they're picking up steam at just the right time. Um, they're going to have to keep keep that going here because they got a, one of the top passing offenses in the country for Washington State. They're arch rival coming to town. So we'll we'll see how they respond there, and we'll talk about that a little bit more here uh, in just a bit. Um, but uh, another one we touched on, Garrett, was 10th-ranked Louisville. They're now ninth. They they escape Miami 38-31 to to remain a one-loss team, and as a result, they're on their way to the ACC championship. Uh, you and I thought going into this one, it was it, Miami's going to give them a tough game. Yeah, uh, Miami's they're a solid team. They've had a lot of unfortunate losses this season. I mean, it really started with that Georgia Tech loss where they could have needed out, and for some reason they Ugh. ran it, fumbled it, and lost the game a minute later. And uh, just the most boneheaded mistake I've ever seen. Right. And it's been kind of downhill since then for uh, for Miami, but. I mean, they're still always a they're a solid team, regardless. And uh, Louisville's been, you know, their their biggest struggles have come on the road this season. They played mm-hmm. really well at home, not as well on the road, but they were able to still get the win and get the job done. Which, uh, you know, finishing out the ACC in second, making it to the uh, the conference championship. So yeah, they're they're plenty happy with that. Jack Plummer had a great game. Um, ran the ball well like they you know is their mo and yeah i'm sure their defense would have liked to play better uh but again going on the road like that where they struggled um i'm sure they're just happy to come out with the win survive in advance moving on hey some new playoff rankings dropped and garrett for the first time we actually see some movement here you know we've seen some maybe some reshuffles like uh, the top four stays the same, except maybe Ohio State swaps with Michigan or something like that. This time around, we actually got some big shift here. Obviously, with Washington jumping, Florida State is the most eye-catching one. They go to number four. Florida State falls out of the top four. They go to five. And here's how it all looks. Georgia, number one. Ohio State, number two. Michigan, number three. Washington, four. Florida State, five. Then you still got Oregon, Texas, Alabama, and Louisville. Those are starting at six through nine. Those are all one loss teams. Um, so a lot of shuffling still to happen here potentially, but that's how the playoff rankings look. And what are your thoughts, Garrett, as you look at these playoff rankings? So, yeah, I mean, the only change was Washington jumping out of Florida State and Boo Corgan, the playoff committee chairman afterwards, they asked him, you know, was that more of the win that Washington had or does, you know, how did they factor in Jordan Travis's injury? Because obviously, you know, Jordan Travis getting hurt is going to affect how we view Florida state as a team. Right. And that's kind of a good barometer 
for how much the t- the committee's looking at objectively do we think you're a better team versus how good's your resume because mm-hmm. Florida, Florida State's resume hasn't changed at all but obviously it's hard to look at them as being the same team without their best player right so people were a little concerned like ooh did they knock him out because of the uh the Travis injury but um you know, Boo Corgan said afterwards that this was more to do with the fact that, you know, Florida State got a win over North Alabama, not really changing much there, but Washington got a big win on the road at Oregon State, and they felt that that boosted their resume enough to put them into fourth. And I think that's fair. Right. Um, that is a really solid, a really solid win to add to the resume uh, on top of the win that they had against Oregon earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think that's fair. I think Washington and Florida State are very similar teams. They're undefeated. They've got a couple big wins on the schedule. And I think that they're they're not as they don't pass the eye test as much as uh say Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan. Um they're kind of on that second tier, but they both have just extremely good resumes. And I think they're I think that's fair to have those two at four and five with you know, Washington can get the big win over at Oregon State, moving mm-hmm. them into fourth. Um, outside of that, I don't have any problems with the rankings. I think the what usually happens with uh, rivalry week with Ohio State, Michigan, and then the conference championships, um, they'll somewhat sort themselves out. Uh, I think if Florida State, you know, I think if they went out, that's going to prove enough that their backup quarterback can get the job done, and they've still got a really solid team. I expect them if they went out to still get in and then, um, you know, Georgia or, um, Oregon and Washington will eventually play and, you know, the losers probably out, right. Uh, Michigan, Ohio state play the losers probably out. Mm. So I think these will eventually sort themselves. You might have a conversation. Um, I think the real chaos would be if Alabama beats Georgia. Yep. Yep. I think that would cause a lot of problems. So it's, I think that's the most intriguing matchup that's coming up. Um, I think that top eight's really who has a shot and mm. any of those teams could get in at this point. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of teams fighting for those four spots right now, but um, I would expect everything to, you know, assuming Georgia can be Alabama, I think that everything's going to be pretty sorted um, by the time the, you know, the conference championships are over because if I think if Georgia beats Bama, um, you take Georgia and then you take the winner of Ohio state, Michigan, assuming that they win the conference championship. Uh, and then you take probably the winner of Washington, Oregon. And then I think the question after that, you've, you've got Texas, if Texas can win their championship, right. Um, they're going to be that fifth team looking in. Um, if that does happen, who, who do you take out of those five? Oof. I don't like this question. No, I'm <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's the most likely scenario. Right, right. Um, so the the question, just to make sure I'm tracking with you here, is you know we're looking at Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, and then the potential of Texas looking in um, if if they win out. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm thinking you know assuming Georgia wins, they get in, and then I would take the winner of Ohio State, Michigan at the second potentially. Right. And then maybe the the winner of uh, Washington or Oregon getting in. Then you've got Florida State, who's undefeated. And then you've got uh, Texas, so yeah. that's undefeated. Yeah. Not undefeated, but 
you know, assuming they went out, that's that's five teams fighting for that spot. Right. I don't know who you would uh, who you would take. <sighs> if I'm the committee, I if they if the committee wants to be consistent, they got to do what they've been doing all year, which is looking at on field results. And if Florida State wins out, I think you have to reward that. At the end of the day, they're undefeated. They don't have that blemish that Texas does. Um, right now, the on the flip side here, let's say the chaos happens, like you said, where Alabama beats Georgia, and the playoff committee has been making some interesting comments with, "Yeah, Georgia is so far ahead of the rest of the competition," which makes me think that they would try to find a way to potentially get Georgia and Alabama into the top four, which if I'm a Texas fan, I'd be going, wait a second, we beat Alabama. We we beat them head to head. You've got to honor that. And I think the committee would really find themselves in a rock and a hard place if Alabama beats Georgia. To me, that's the really interesting one to keep an eye on. And like you said, I think Washington and Oregon, that's going to sort itself out. And whoever wins controls their own destiny to an extent. But let's say that, you know, yeah, Georgia and Bama, they're taking up two spots potentially if Bama beats Georgia. Uh, what 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 does the committee do then? Uh, that, that, to me, would just I mean, be chaotic. Yeah, they brought it up on the show on ESPN afterwards. And I think it was Kirk Herbstreit who brought, Kirk Herbstreit who brought up a, the first time and his opinion was that they'd leave both Georgia and Alabama out. Like, neither of Whoa. them get in. Yeah, that's what, he, that's what his thought was. And I was, I don't see that happening. Right. Because, I mean, I think if Alabama beats Georgia, you're thinking, man, these might be two of the best, like, teams. In the, I mean, I don't think anyone doubts Georgia at this point mm-hmm. being maybe the best. I, I'd say the best team. And I think if most people had to pick a best team, they'd probably pick Georgia. Right. And I just, and so if Alabama beats them with the way Alabama's been playing, I mean, it'd be hard to leave both of them out. Right. Um, but then it's like, how do you pick one? Like, ah, man, I don't know. I, I mean, that'd be <laughs> tough too. If you're Georgia and you have, you know, such a dominant season and then you lose one game to mm-hmm. Alabama at the end of the season and you're out, man. I don't know. I think if Alabama beats Georgia, I would. I think that uh, I think it's more likely that both get in than neither get in. I, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. Uh, I, and then, like you said, that that really takes up a lot of spots because at that point, I think probably the Ohio State Michigan winner gets the third spot mm-hmm. or however they want to rank them. Uh, and then the fourth spot probably goes to the Oregon Washington winner. And then you, you, I think you're probably gonna have a, you might, you would have a, in that situation, an undefeated Florida State getting left out, and a one loss Texas getting left out too. Which again, oh, that is crazy. Sucks, but <laughs> there's too many teams. There's too many teams fighting for spots. Right. No, I, I, I don't disagree with that assessment. It is just uh, quite a Jenga tower we have assembled right here, and. Oh, man, yeah. If 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 Bama beats Georgia, I I agree. I think both of them would get in, and then I think it's one of the Michigan Ohio State teams, and then one of the Washington Oregon teams, and Texas and Florida State are sitting there thinking, "What the heck just happened?" Um, I I just think Texas they haven't. There's there's no way that you can 
kick Bama out if they beat Georgia. Like, there's no way you can keep them out. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair to kick Georgia out when they've won thir- – what are they at now? 30-plus straight wins? 31, 32? I've lost count. I think it's, uh, it's, around, it's around 30, yeah, somewhere around there. So, yeah, I looking at that history, and I know, you know, well, what about the – the here and the now, like yeah, thirty straight is kind of a big deal. I don't that they're, they're approaching and they're still, history. They're still, they're still blowing out quality teams right now. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you could kick them out. So I agree. It would be both Georgia and Bama in, and then it would be a mad scramble between like four programs, which is just yeah crazy to think about. And which is why the 12 team spread coming next year will be just dandy because then we won't have to worry about stuff like this. But <laughs> I digress. So, folks, those are the playoff rankings right there, which now we transition to rivalry week, which will answer hopefully some questions, um, but probably not. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we start with the Civil War. I'm going to call it the Civil War, even though those. Two schools canceled it because, you know, that it has negative connotations. I still think it's a fun name. Oregon State, Oregon, and Garrett, here are some of the storylines coming into this game. Last year, Oregon State beat Oregon 38-34 to in what was an impressive comeback. And to do that, they ran the ball 27 straight times in that game at one point. And Oregon's defensive front was a lot of the guys from that year or last year were quote, embarrassed by the film, and just a little added motivation, Dan Lanning has had the TVs in the or in the football building all just replaying on repeat that game from last year mm-hmm. uh, as like some that. added motivation. And the players have tried to apparently change the channels, and it won't. It's just locked on that, <laughs> on that game, and they have to watch Oregon State beat them over and over again. So... There's some storylines coming into this one. And then for Oregon State, you know, uh, they're, they, this could be the last Civil War game for a while. They, they hope not. They hope to continue to schedule it, they've been saying. But they, they, they're, you know the Pac, we've been talking about the Pac-12 drama numerous all, all season, really. And they probably want to stick it to Oregon as they leave for the Big Ten as kind of a, here, take this on the way out. <laughs> so, right, you know, right. plenty of motivation for Oregon State. And this is still a team that is all, all their losses, their three losses, are all by three points or less. So, very talented ball club. What is your gut reaction and what's your feel for this Oregon State-Oregon game? As much as I really like this Oregon State team, you know, I did pick them to beat washington um i think that given that this game is at oregon Mm. and i think in my opinion i think oregon's a i think one of the four best teams in the country Mm. i think that they're just so well-rounded they don't have a weakness bo Nix is playing like a top you know i probably put him uh top two with Jane daniels in my heisman rankings he's having an amazing year Mm -hmm. 35 touchdowns only two picks right um they're just so solid uh, on both sides of the ball, and um, you know they're they're top five in yards per carry, and then they're top five in yards per pass attempt as well. So mm-hmm. it's just there's just no weakness, and I, I love the Oregon team. I think I think that they win this one. Right. Pretty. I don't want to say comfortably. I think that again. I really like. I, 
I think Oregon State's a really solid team too. And uh, you know, they had a great run game. Their defense plays pretty solid, like you like we talked about earlier. They held an amazing Washington offense to zero points in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. only let them run 19 plays. And you know, Oregon's favored by 13 and a half at home in this one. And uh, I wouldn't be I kind of like Oregon State to cover. I think they'll keep it relatively. Res- I think they'll keep it respectable. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I, I do feel pretty confident in picking Oregon to to win it outright. Right. Well, there you go. Um, I don't dislike that pick. And now, here's some other things I guess to consider. Um, people, uh, one of the criticisms for Oregon State is you know, obviously towards their quarterback uh, Uyungale, and. They a lot of people point to his fifty seven percent completion percentage as hey he this guy can't complete the ball consistently, but I would just like to point out that in when you factor in the dropped passes that Oregon State's receivers have had, it actually shoots up to sixty seven percent completion percentage. So Uyunglele I think has had some unfair criticism hurled his way, but at the same time, you know there's also been times where he's he has made poor decisions at the end of the day. Um, so to me, this, this game hinges on if Oregon can get out to a really fast start, which they are prone to do at Autzen stadium, they could just pounce on you. Next thing you know, you're down 17, nothing. Um, if Oregon can get out to a fast start and force Oregon state out of their run game, then I think Oregon easily, you know, I think at that point they could, you could be looking at that 13, uh, point differential there but if Oregon State's able to come out and establish a run game get you factor in that pro style offense uh, it's not all on Uyunglele's shoulders uh, perhaps Oregon State can keep with it all that being said I'm going Oregon <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I think Oregon's just like you said they're they're just blowing teams out consistently teams that they are better than they are showing that and some and they just look determined to get back to the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon State knocked them out of that opportunity last year. And I think Dan Lanning, if we've seen anything from him this year, is that he has his team ready to go and ready to play. We saw him in that locker room with Colorado. He had them fired up and ready for action. I think we're going to see that here. He's calling this their Super Bowl. And Oregon's going to come ready to go. Autzen is always really tough. Give me the Ducks. Yep, I'm with you all the way. Well, that brings us to a game called The Game. Michigan, Ohio State in the big house. Both of them 11 and 0. Michigan has won two straight. This it, all the cards hinge on this right here. I mean, Garrett, it doesn't get any better than that. No. I mean, this is uh well, I mean, the last few years, this has been such a important game for the playoff rankings. Um, uh, you know, two of the best teams in college football. You've got the added drama this year of the scandal. Right. Um, obviously, everything that's happening with Michigan, but all of a sudden now it's being flipped on and people are uh, now accusing Ryan Day of setting up this. Uh, you know, the latest rumors I've been hearing are people trying to accuse him of or some of his family members of setting up some investigation center outside of Ann Arbor to 
spy on uh, <laughs> or to try and uncover all this stuff about Michigan. I don't. I, I have no idea if any of that's credible. That's just what I'm seeing all these yeah. Michigan fans come up with. So there's just so much extra layers of drama around this, and uh, you know, Ryan Day coaching for uh, respect among the Ohio State fans, even though they're. I think this. Uh, I read somewhere this is like the the first time in 43 games they haven't been favored uh, in a Big Ten game. Yep, and. Um, that's still not enough because they haven't been able to beat Michigan the last two years. So, right. I mean, there's just everything's on the line. We talked about how tight that playoff race is. You know, even mm-hmm. a loss to as good of a team as these two are going to be facing, it's it's just that's enough to knock you out. Yeah. So, yeah, everything on the line in this one. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I it's, yeah, it's uh everything that's great about college football. Right. Well, let me set the table for you a little bit more here before we make our selections. Michigan, uh, some of the storylines first. Uh, Like you said, Michigan favored by Ohio State in the big house by four points. First time Michigan has been favored against Ohio State since 2018, a game they lost, by the way, 62-39 to at the shoe. Uh, Like you said, first time in 43 games that Ohio State isn't favored in a Big Ten game. Michigan ranks number one in the country in total defense. Ohio State, number three. So do you think maybe some defense is going to be played here? Um, uh, Some things to keep note of. Ohio State ranks 114th in turnovers forced this year. Michigan is fourth in turnovers lost. Uh, And uh, here's a question to consider. What happens to Ryan Day if Ohio State loses to Michigan for a third straight year? This, this time to a backup coach, no less. Uh, I'm sure Ohio State fans are going to have some things to say and the toxicity level around Coach Day as the head coach of the Buckeyes will probably go up a little bit. And, of course, you know, the Buckeyes will, of course, blame the cheating and whatnot as the reason. Um, but the, looking at last year when Michigan went on the road to beat Ohio State, there were, I believe, Michigan had... a. 480 or it was 400 to 587 yards of offense and six of those plays accounted for around 387 of those yards so it was just big explosive plays that got Michigan that win um so Garrett as you look at at all those stats and whatnot and Michigan's defense is great Ohio State's defense is great it's really to me gonna point to the offenses here at who who do you think is going to rise to the occasion and come out with this all-important win yeah i mean you talked about the defense these are the top two scoring defenses top two pass defenses in the country um yeah both both amazing defenses and i do think that it's going to come down to which offense can manage better we saw Michigan, what they did when they went, went against Penn State. Penn State had by far the best rush defense of the country, and Michigan made it look like uh, they it was terrible. They, they they ran it every play, and right had they they had you know they ran it at will, and so that was pretty shocking. And it makes me wonder if Ohio State's gonna be able to stop it now. I think they will. Uh, Michigan's run rushing attack hasn't been amazing this mm-hmm. season 
they're they're only 47th in uh yards per carry and you know they do love to to run the ball they run it 38 times a game compared to just 24 pass attempts per game so that's what they want to do right um but i don't think it's it's I, don't, I wouldn't rate it as one of the best in the country even I, it's it's solid but at the end of the day they are relying on their defense mm-hmm. and uh, to an extent ohio state's doing the same um ohio state's uh you know they're 59th in the country in yards per carry only averaging a little bit over four yards a carry but and they're only averaging 145 rushing yards a game that's 86 but i think a lot of that's due to the fact that Trevion henderson's been out um he's by right. far their most efficient runner he's got a you know he's averaging 6.7 yards a carry he's got almost 800 yards 10 touchdowns and when he's in there their their rushing attack is just completely different so the fact that they have him back is um and you know he he looked great last week as well and so i think he's gonna if they want to have a chance in this game he's gonna have to play a big role right uh, Ohio State has a much more balanced attack they're, they're a little more 50 50 on passing and uh and rushing and i think the difference between the teams is that Ohio state's not afraid to uh to air it out they they quietly have the 24th ranked pass offense averaging 284 yards a game through the air and Kyle McCord's not been bad this year. I mean, we that right. was a big question mark coming in. And I think he's played pretty well, um, given the circumstances. And, you know, a, a lot of that's probably due to having the best receiver in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr., to throw to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw against Penn State when they had to face a really tough defense. Uh, he just went to Marvin Harrison Jr. every time he could. Uh, the offense was struggling to move the ball, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had he had 11 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know they couldn't get the run game going. They didn't have Trevion Henderson, uh, but they just went to Kyle McCord. He threw it 35 times, had almost 300 passing yards, and they were able to get the win. So right, um, he's and we saw again uh, earlier in the season against Notre Dame, who has a solid defense. Uh, late in the game, they had to convert. They had to drive down the field. They relied on the pass game and Kyle McCord delivered. So right. I've seen it enough from McCord and Ohio State that they're able to move the ball through the air when they need to. And I haven't seen that as much with Michigan. They're very efficient. Right. They don't throw for uh like I talked about, you know, they don't pass it as much. They're a very run heavy team, but when they do, they're very efficient. They're seventh in the country in yards per pass attempt. Mm-hmm. Um but the thing is, I think if Ohio State can slow down their their run game and not allow what they did to Penn State, um, and they actually force Michigan to throw the ball, I don't I don't trust McCarthy and their passing game to be able to do that against such a strong Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's number one in the country in yards per pass attempt defensively. Right. They're only giving up four point seven yards a carry, and we talk. I mean, they're they're way out ahead of everyone in the country in pass defense. So, um. I've liked Michigan all year. I think they've been one of the most dominant teams in the country. And Ohio State's been a little bit shaky at times. But right. with the way that their offense has evolved and McCord's really come into his own, he's shown against Penn State that he can air it out and be successful. I trust Ohio State's offense a little bit more. Um, mm. I think the toughest part of this one is the fact that it's at Michigan. Sure. Um, or, um, yeah, and so uh it's 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 tough but i think i'm gonna go with ohio state in this one 
Garrett going with the underdog, Ohio State Buckeyes. I am. I Man. am. I don't feel great about it. It's it's a really a close, really close matchup. But I I like I said, I trust I trust McCord more than McCarthy, and uh, yeah, I, I got to go Ohio State. And I I don't dislike the pick. Believe me, I'm I'm looking at these statistics here, and just the way Ohio State has really. Uh, seem to cement themselves here, especially with uh, uh, Travion Harrison coming back, uh, really cementing that that backfield attack for Ohio State. They've just looked so much better, and McCord has looked more and more comfortable as the year has gone on. Um, and it, he's very quietly put up close to 3,000 yards through the air and very efficient when it comes to his passing numbers. I mean, uh, he's close to... He's he's over twenty touchdowns and he's only got four picks to his name. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, yep. yeah. So he's been he's been smart with the ball. He has looked shaky at times. Like I look back at that Wisconsin game and he had two touchdowns, two picks. They weren't good looking picks either. Um, yeah, I he Ohio State's really coming on. It, uh, I this is hard. I look at Michigan though, <laughs> and it's at the big house, like you said, and yeah. Uh, I look at their run game and Penn State was the is one of the best run defenses in the country and they ran the ball over and over again on that Penn State defense and demolished them and Blake Corum I watched some of the breakdown of that film against Penn State and he just had the ability to pick the opening gaps and take it to the end zone for six or break out these big runs and I think I think Ohio State is going to be a little bit on their heels in that regard. All that being said, I think that my gut is telling me Ohio State. I just... Really? Yeah. I I think Kyle McCord over the year has shown me a lot more moxie, perhaps, than McCarthy has. Uh, McCarthy, I really haven't seen, and to be fair, he can't control the schedule that that Michigan has. He's looked great in a lot of those games. But when the his back's been against the wall, the bat, you know, the, against Penn State and Maryland, he he really didn't do much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um and I just don't think you're going to be able to run the ball 50 some times against Ohio State and carve out an effective offense. Um and right. and you know, maybe maybe the game will be this ugly grind and Michigan can just carve out a win that way. Maybe so. But I I got to look at the quarterback and as and big time players step up in big games and when um, McCord has a guy like Marvin Harrison to just say well shoot he's probably down there somewhere <laughs> I just <laughs> I just have a feeling that he's going to be able to make a big play uh, even against this incredible Michigan defense so I'm going to go with the Buckeyes um, I, I think Ohio State goes into the big house gets the win. It's tough. It's gritty. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan won, obviously, but um, I, my, I just think Ohio State. You know, they have a lot. They have a lot to play for themselves um, in this one. So, I'm going Ohio State. We, we will see what happens. Uh, obviously, folks, if you, if you're going to watch any college football game this year, or if you're new to college football and you're just wanting to test the waters a little bit, watch this game. And it's going to be this Saturday. That's at a noon kickoff Eastern time. 
um, and you can watch that on Fox. You got Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to see some excitement. 38 degree weather, so there shouldn't be any weather affecting the game either. Um, so there you go. That's my that's my pick. I'm shocked. I thought for sure you'd uh, you'd be on Michigan with this one, but yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I uh, I like Ohio State. I think they've been a little bit underrated. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I definitely didn't like them earlier. You know, it's, I, they, when the first the rankings came out and they were first over Georgia, I thought they were a little overhyped. But and I I honestly would have put Michigan ahead of them for most of the season. I think Michigan right. looked a lot better for the first you know eight to ten weeks. But you know, after reviewing and looking back at Ohio State's schedule and how McCord's played, he's he's just impressed me. I think that. You know, I I looked a little more down on Ohio State because of McCord earlier in the season, but you know, just reviewing the fact that they had that great uh, the drive late against Notre Dame, and then um, you know, able to air it out against Penn State, and uh, he's just been flying since then. It's uh, it's it's convinced me that I, I trust their offense a little more. Yeah, and you know, we saw even even the way that Michigan was able to run the ball against Penn State. That was still a pretty close game, right? Um, yeah. It's not like they were able to run it all over him and just run away with it. Penn State, if if they had any quarterback play at all, they had a chance <laughs> to win that game. Drew Aller just could not do it, right? Um, and so I even I think that Ohio State's going to be able to s- stop the run a little bit more. I think they're going to be able to see it coming at least. They're going to prepare for that, right? Um, but yeah, I just I think that. Uh, I think Ohio State's gonna have more success than Penn State will through the air, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be the difference. Maybe. Yeah. Now, JJ McCarthy, he just, he he just kind of scared me off with this Maryland game. Like he he just looked yeah. shaky, and then Michigan's receivers don't scare me as much as Ohio State's receivers do. Oh, not at, at all. the end of the day. Like right. Ohio State just has those play make those it guys that can go up and just make yep. something happen. Even against Notre Dame, um, the the game winning the game or the pass that set up the game winning play. There we go. Uh, came from uh, another receiver on their team. I, I forget who which one it was. It wasn't Marvin Harrison though. So McCord just has those guys that he can just throw it to and. You know, mm-hmm. hey, they're hopefully they come down with it, and um, yep. yeah, that that's why my gut just pointed to Ohio State with you. So I agree, and we will see what happens. Um, here's a couple other games I think that we'll be in agreement on: Alabama, the Iron Bowl, Auburn. It's at Jordan Hare Stadium. Jordan Hare Stadium has um, had some really epic moments against Alabama, and they've knocked Nick Saban off, and they've ruined title hopes there. Do they have any shot against Alabama this week? I don't think so. Alabama's playing amazing football. Auburn is not, obviously, after their big <laughs> loss uh, against New Mexico State. So, um yeah, no, give me uh I like Auburn easily in this one. They're they're favored by fourteen. Alabama, you mean? Alabama, yeah, I mean Alabama, yeah. They're favored <laughs> by fourteen. No, <laughs> I think they <laughs> Oh no no. Uh <laughs> I think they easily cover that. I think they I mean it's a rivalry game, so makes things a little bit tougher always, but I I like Auburn I mean Alabama easily in this one. <laughs> Clip it? No. That uh, sounds similar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, I saw an interesting stat out there that said uh, Auburn is 4-0 and when they have a rusher go for over 100 yards. And I thought, oh, okay, it's at Jordan-Hare, you know, maybe maybe crazy things happen. But no, it it's just it, – when I hear a quote from Coach Freeze saying, I wish my guys had a little bit more intensity. I mean, this is Iron Bowl week. That's not a good sign, <laughs> um, no. especially when Alabama has so much to play for. Uh, they win this. They go to the SEC championship game, have a chance to get into the Final Four. Um, uh, give me Alabama, and I, I agree with you. They will cover. So there you go. Kind of a boring Iron Bowl this year. Not not as much at stake, but um, Alabama marches in, moves on. Um, Washington State at Washington. Uh, to me, this Cougs showed some life last week. They they had they they have a good passing attack. It's one of the top in the country. Um, in fact, as I uh, let me look this up, uh, when it comes to passing offense, uh, I want to say that they are actually uh, pretty darn close to the Huskies. Yeah, Washington State ranks fourth, and Washington ranks first when it comes to passing offense. The Cougs they're throwing 338 yards per game, and that's uh, all thanks to Cam Ward. Um, and the Huskies are up first with 358 yards per game. So, can the Cougs go in to Seattle and pull off the upset? My answer is no. And that breaks my heart to say it, Garrett. It breaks my heart. But I just I just don't think the Cougs have the fire that I don't I think they'll put up some points and maybe early on they'll make it interesting. But overall, I just think Washington's firepower is going to overwhelm Washington State. I mean, the Cougs defense has had uh, they. I will say this: Washington State actually is in the top five when it comes to turnovers forced as a defense. So, if the Huskies yeah. are not careful and they take this game lightly, then I could see the Cougs randomly just pouncing on them early, and the Huskies are thinking, "What the heck is going on here?" Um, right. And in, in my heart, I want to say Washington State. But I just don't think it's going to happen, especially that it's in Seattle. The Huskies have so much to play for. The Pac-12 championships right around the corner. I think they're going to see Washington State and just want to beat up on Little Brother one more time before they go off to the Big Ten. Uh, they may still keep the rivalry going, but give me the dogs in this one. Ugh, I feel gross saying that. <laughs> Yeah, I could see it being a bit of a trap game, just given, you know, that it's such a tough one uh, the week before. And then they're looking ahead potentially to a playoff deciding matchup against Oregon. But right. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, like you said, they they're kind of like Washington State, but just better and yeah. everything, you know, it'll be a good test for their defense. Um, we've had questions about Washington's defense and Washington State's passing attack. We'll put it to the test, but right. Um, no, I, I, I like Washington in this one as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, moving on, we've got a couple of rapid fire games here. Um, these should be pretty easy looking at these Kentucky at Louisville. Um, what, who, who do you got there, Garrett? Can Kentucky spoil Louisville season? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I like, I like Louisville in this one. They're a really solid team. Plumber's playing really well. They got a great run game. It's at um, home. Yeah, I like Louisville. Yeah, I like yeah. Louisville. I'm with you there too. Louisville at home. Um, 
And I think um, on a, on another note here, I think uh, Coach Stoops might be looking at job opportunities elsewhere. That's just rumors I've been hearing. Um, for example, the Iowa job I've heard rumor. Um, he he might be seeing this landscape of the SEC and seeing that Texas and Oklahoma are joining a couple years down the road. Florida State and Clemson might be joining um, as more super conferences are formed and. Kentucky, he's probably thinking, I've done all that I can do here at Kentucky. He's been there for over a decade, which shout out to him. Um, so he might be looking to go elsewhere. But if he's happy at Kentucky, kind of having similar seasons, you know, six to eight wins, then maybe that's for him or maybe he has higher aspirations. So uh, based on that, I think Louisville, you know, gets the added benefit that maybe the coach is looking elsewhere. So, um both Louisville there. Uh, how about Texas Tech at number seven, Texas? Um, does Texas Tech play spoiler here? Texas has looked kind of shaky at times. Yeah, it's a, a Friday game, but it's in Austin. And um, I trust Texas too much. I just trust their their o, O-line and D-line. And yeah, I think uh, Texas Tech... You know, they've had solid moments this season. They almost pulled off the upset earlier against Oregon uh, in week two. But, um, you know, got a big win at Kansas two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I think they could play them tough. But Texas is just too all-around solid. And uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do too, too much. I don't think their offense is going to be able to put up too many points. I think Texas defense is going to be able to shut them down. So, yeah, I like Texas. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I've got Texas in this one pretty handily. Um, I think the run game, the pass game, both with Ewers back especially, uh, I don't think I don't see Texas having too much issue. I think the defense shows up as well. Um, even though they struggled at Ames, Iowa, or Iowa State last week, uh, that's always a tough place to play, and they ended up you know, pulling away at the end and survive in advance at this point. And, hey, it's Steve Sarkeesian's first ever 10-win season in his career. That's kind of a cool deal. Uh, I think he makes it 11 against Texas Tech um, as the Longhorns are still on the outside looking in, hoping for a playoff berth. So there you go. Uh, the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech gets ready to host number one Georgia. Can the Yellow Jackets sting the Bulldogs, Garrett? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think this one's no fun. Uh, particularly close. I think Georgia just absolutely steamrolls them. Well, you know what? Give me Georgia. T- no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, Georgia smacks Georgia Tech on the road. Um, this one's a rivalry. Apparently they're trying to make it one Texas A&M at 14th ranked <laughs> LSU. Uh, this has had some crazy games in the past, Garrett. Like we're talking basketball yep. scores. Uh, what do you think here is, uh, at this point, Mr. Daniels just trying to cement his Heisman run. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been on the LSU bandwagon all season and we've talked about Texas a few times. They, they're a solid team. They've had some pretty, I mean, they've had moments where they've looked like a legit team. They blew out Mississippi state. Uh, then they fired Jimbo Fisher. And yeah, I, you know, they played Ole Miss really close, but they, they haven't been able to find a win over a quality team this season. Right. And 
Yeah, I think that it's going to be tough for them to keep up with LSU, and I don't think anybody can stop LSU. So, yeah, I, I, I just I trust LSU a lot more in this one that they're going to be able to put up points at will. And yeah, give me uh, give me LSU. I am right there with you, especially that it's at LSU um, and Mr. Uh, the quarterback Jalen Daniels just wants to put the icing on the cake of a potential Heisman season. Uh, the offense is the best in the country, and it really has just been unstoppable despite some of their tough losses. Um, it, the, the offense always shows up at the end of the day. It's just unfortunate that a really bad defense just kind of unraveled their season. So give me LSU to finish the season strong. Um, and maybe uh, Jalen gets himself a Heisman to boot off of it. So, and and the argument can be made because, you know, we're going to see Penix and Bo Nix do battle for their their bids for the Heisman Trophy. The argument could be made that maybe we don't see Mr. Uh, uh, Jalen Daniels struggle in the championship game, whereas Bo Nix and Michael Penix, they have the opportunity to struggle in the championship game. Now you can make the flip That's argument that, well, awesome. hey, they go off in a championship game. Then what? And I was like, well. Right, yeah. right, right. So just an interesting tidbit there. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little, something to watch. I think I think it comes down to Heisman race, come down to uh, Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix. I think those are the uh, the two leaders for it. So, yeah, I think Bo Nix has a chance to secure it if he has a big win over Washington. Um, that would kind of be a. Uh, yeah, uh, just a little extra that Jaden Daniels can't really match. So maybe that maybe that's an effect. But I think it's I think it's between those two right now. Right. Personally. Right. Well, there you go, folks. That is going to do it for the football section. We're changing gears here. Just a real quick update on some basketball action. Uh, Garrett, the Maui Invitational has been going on, and just some great basketball to watch. I mean, we've been having games like Purdue and Gonzaga. Uh, we've had. Virginia gets smoked by Wisconsin, but the Big Ten, uh-oh. Uh, we've had uh, UCLA and Marquette, Kansas and Marquette. Uh, just a, just some big basketball games in this tournament. It's always fun to watch. Yeah, no, the tournament's been great. Purdue, obviously the big winners. They got the win just a little bit ago over Marquette mm-hmm. to win the tournament. That gives them, you know, they ran the gauntlet. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Tennessee and then Marquette. Um, just a really dominant showing. E-Day was just um you know teams just could not stop him marquette tried to disrupt him the way that um farley dickinson was able to last year in the tournament right they were really pesky trying to you know force turnovers whenever you bring it down low and um double team him, not let him get the ball but you know get out in transition try and beat him down the court but at the end of the day he's just such a dominant force and you know, they're looking like one of the best teams in the country. I like Marquette a lot. Yeah. Coming into the season. Um, Tyler Kolick is, uh, you know, one of the best point guards in the country. And reminds me of he, John Stockton. Great. Do you get that vibe at all? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. He's uh, his playmaking ability. His passing ability is just uh, elite levels. And he's really fun to watch. And, you know, they got a big win over Kansas the game before, but mm-hmm. just lost a close one in the championship to Purdue. So yeah, both those teams looked fantastic. Kansas, um, you know, they lost to Marquette, but they got a big win over Kentucky um, earlier in the season and then just beat Tennessee today right. in the runner up or the third place game. So 
yeah, just a lot of great basketball on this tournament. Um, you know, uh, but obviously, you know, Purdue, the, the big winner in it and, you know, really showing that they're a legit team. Yeah, I, I watched that Marquette Kansas game for the most part uh, yesterday, and I was just really impressed at how Marquette, even though they were undersized, they were able to bother Kansas so much. To Hunter Dickinson wasn't a, really able to get comfortable and into a flow in that game, and uh, offensively, Marquette just slashed a pretty good Kansas defense into ribbons. Uh, which got them that spot into the Purdue game. And obviously, Purdue, they've been on a roll, 6-0 and to start the season. And, uh, yeah, E-Day, 28 points, 15 rebounds in this win against Marquette. Uh, Marquette undersized, as I mentioned. So going up against E-Day, I knew they were probably going to struggle a little bit. And then, uh, really, the thing to note is that Purdue, when it comes to their shooting, that was the big concern from last year, they were one of the worst in the country. I think 278th when it came to three-point shooting, just above 30%. Today against Marquette, they shot 10 of 21 for 48% from the three-point line. That a huge upgrade there, and that takes a lot of pressure off of E-Day. Yeah, I mean Braden Smith was uh, biggest help there. He was four for six from three, seven eleven from the field. But um... Yeah, I mean they're getting they're going to get the opportunities with how much focus teams are going to have to give to E-Day down low. They're going to have to face guard them, have someone coming around from the back too. I mean, it's just it's too tough to deal with. And so if you're going to be able to force the ball down low, make them double team you, and then kick it back out to an open three point shooter, uh, I mean if they're knocking down shots, I don't see it. I mean Marquette almost pulled it off, uh, even with Purdue playing really well offensively. Um, you know, I, I mentioned they. They found ways to get in transition uh, to try and beat E-Day down the floor so they didn't have to deal with it. And they were really creative with driving kicks to try and create space uh, down low by pulling E-Day away a little bit um, from the basket. But, I mean, even still, it, it didn't matter with how, how dominant he was. You mentioned 28 points, 15 boards. Um, yeah, Purdue, Purdue's going to be tough for anyone to play against. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Purdue wins the Maui Invitational tomorrow. There's some great basketball on Thanksgiving. You've got uh, North Carolina, the 14th-ranked Tar Heels, uh, traveling to Villanova. Uh, That may be a neutral site game. I'm not sure. But uh, that's a noon tip-off. you got Seton Hall against USC. Seton Hall always disappoints, in my opinion. But uh, maybe they can knock off USC there. Uh, Michigan State, they lost a bad one to James Madison earlier this season. They're ranked 21st in the country, and they take on Arizona tomorrow. Um, Florida Atlantic, 19th. They lost a game earlier this season, kind of out of the blue. Uh, They lost to Bryant 61 to 52 this was a team that you and i were very high on coming into this season garrett but uh they took a loss so just college basketball is so fun like that you just it's really tough to predict just a lot of upsets here and there so uh you you got some good action there folks both basketball and football uh to watch tomorrow on uh or to watch during thanksgiving here yep and uh florida mentioned florida atlantic uh in a week from tomorrow next thursday they play liberty Ooh. Liberty's gonna be Liberty's coming in. They're undefeated. Um, and if they can beat Florida Atlantic, uh, assuming that they beat Middle Eastern or right. what is this, Maryland Eastern? Uh assuming they can beat them, then uh they'll have a matchup against Florida Atlantic. If they knock them off, Liberty will be ranked top mm. twenty five. 
in both football and basketball. Mm. So, you know, both programs thriving right now. Just just want to shout them out a little bit. There you go. The Flames potentially flaming on, right? No? Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> well, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. As always, if you could uh, follow us on social media or on Facebook and Twitter, uh, if you could give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to your podcast. We're on Amazon, too, now, by the way. You could listen to us there on Amazon and leave us that five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Again, for my co-host, Garrett Thigpen, I'm Garrison Hardy. Thanks so much for listening, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We'll see you next time. Yeah.